Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. Good to be with you in the saddle again, Father Travis. It's been a few weeks, actually. It has. It's good to be back yeah. here in Lamar's. Glad you drove down up, rather. Up north to the ice cream <laughs> capital of the world. It came it's, on up. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, how you been? Been doing, been doing well. Yeah, getting yeah. ready for the new school year. I, I'm excited, yeah. Not teaching and not instituting a new campus minister. There's not as much preparation for me, I think, as for you. But, um, yeah, lots of meetings, getting prepped, getting ready. A couple additions to the chaplain's office at Galen Catholic has come about, which we're kind of excited about. French press coffee grinder um, or what? No, not quite. Okay. Uh, I think the Keurig will still stay in there. Okay. Um, I know you're a coffee guy. <laughs> did I tell you about the vinyl couch? That was an important addition. Vinyl couches. Yeah, so this no. 1952 is when Galen Catholic was created. So the building is that, you know, mid-century modern vibe going on pretty strong. And the little tiny office that I have, um, there was just a table in there when I got there. So I've been trying to kind of... Real homey. Yeah. So inviting. Trying to, yeah. So I put some Cassie Peace posters on the wall, try to... Footprints poem. Yeah, footprints, <laughs> a little no. black on there. No, I didn't have one of those. Glow-in-the-dark footprints poem or anything? Yeah. No, no <laughs> the dark. Stars on the ceiling. Sure. The dark. No, I uh, it was trying to put some furniture in there. Well, there is an antique store here in town. It's called Worth Repeating, a history worth repeating, if you will. Okay. And in the front window, there was this lime green vinyl um, kind of love seat, two-seater chair uh, hanging out that was very mid-century modern. So I drive past and I see it. So I stopped in, purchased it, and I found out it actually came from a waiting room of the Catholic hospital here on the same campus of the parish, which is kind of exciting. So I put that in there. And then this year I was thinking, okay, the table is taking up too much room. I need a small little desk. Went to a different thrift store in town, found the perfect little 50s metal desk. Okay. Then found another aluminum vinyl chair, green vinyl chair. Sure. Uh, so very good. I've got this kind of consistent mid-century modern theme going. Um, and I've got a friend who's looking into trying to find me a rug to kind of do like a contrasting color scheme. Then just yesterday, I found in another office that wasn't being utilized another vinyl chair. So I just, it's, it's a really good look. Um, really excited about it. Well, congratulations. Thank I you. know you were quite the periodic decorator. Right. Trying yeah. to match kinda, the, the 50s vibe right. of when the building opened. Yeah. Wow. I'll be utilizing Brill Cream uh, to kind of keep that style consistent myself. So Really? No, no. <laughs> that's the plan, yeah. Uh, making the office look nicer. Well, congratulations. Thank you. You know, Father, I have been thinking how proud it is to be an Iowan. Oh, absolutely. Did you watch the great coverage of the Field of Dreams game broadcast on Fox? Sports? I watched just the last walk-off home run footage. Um, Which home run was the, impressive in, in itself. The home run from the White Sox into the cornfield. Yeah. Um, can't be cooler. Couldn't be cooler. And we had just been with the pastor of Dyersville um, at our conference just a couple weeks ago in Ames. He Who was there. That? Father Quinn was there. Yeah. Oh, he's in. Oh, that's right. He's he is in Dyersville. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's kind right. of fun. From the Archdiocese of Dubuque. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Basilica is in Dyersville, but what everybody knows Dyersville for is the movie set of the Field of Dreams movie. Right. Produced in 1989. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I had friends from across the country texting me like, "All eyes on Iowa tonight." All and yeah. it was just a gorgeous night. If you could have, you couldn't have just like predicted a better weather pattern for that night. Well, and they took this. If you've seen the movie, um, Farmer builds the the baseball stadium, right? And the build it and they guys, will come. Build it and they come. Guys, kind of angels, kind of saints or whatever. Dead guys come sure. out of the cornfield <laughs> to play this baseball game. Um, they built like an MLB stadium, though, right. sort of around that original next movie to set. it. Next to it. Oh, it's not the next same it. field. It was no. another field. Okay. No. So the the farmhouse is there from the movie set. The original next, field next to the original field, and then beyond that is a corn maze, and the, the shape of the corn maze actually had the MLB logo, ah. and then from that was the actual the new stadium built. Oh specifically for these major league games. It was the first major league game ever played in Iowa. But not the last, right? They're going to have some more. No, it's going to be an annual thing. Um, Exciting. I think the Reds and the Cubs are next year. But so th- I think it was 8,000 foot st- or 8,000 uh, person stadium that they built next to the corn maze. And, uh, you know, I think the White Sox and the Yankees had a great time. Right. Um, they flew into Dubuque, were driven out by bus to Dyersville. I think spent the day there kind of touring the set of the original movie had these iconic moments of walking out from the corn yes, into the field. Kevin Costner was out there kind of like reliving the movie glory. Oh, wow. uh, I don't know if you saw any of the Twitter clips. A few of the Yankees went over to the corn stalks and just started gnawing on it. And like, Did they think it was like sweet corn yeah, or something? Yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're not from, yeah. you wouldn't know if you're not from the Midwest. They like spit it out. Like, they did. Disgusting. They spit it out immediately like, oh, pew, this is awful. But it was feed corn for animals. Well, not, not that like a know? raw ear of sweet corn would taste incredible just raw off the stock but well yeah and it's and, but especially feed corn right well feed corn that's probably also not fully ripe yet right so exactly. i don't yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't definitely not i don't know how chewy it was <laughs> you know so they just spit it out immediately oh, man. um but it was just a gorgeous night you know the high that day was probably around 85 oh yeah then that night when they were playing it was probably around 72 gorgeous sunset in the west and they had these beautiful drone shots uh, circling mm. the fields, circling the farmhouse. There was even one drone shot that came over the Dyersville Basilica and then out towards the field. Are they pretty close? I've never actually been there before. Um, the Basilica and the well, it's not, no, they're not like next door neighbors, but the whole town of Dyersville, yeah, you know, small. in Midwest standards, is pretty small. Um, but yeah, I think the the way that Fox News kind of captured the um, just kind of the historical nostalgia of the yeah. whole event, not only the nostalgia of the movie, but also just the nostalgia of baseball. I think that yes. came through very clearly. Uh, they, they had constructed for this baseball stadium, a kind of an old fashioned manual scoreboard. Oh yeah. And then, you know, they had some young guys out there kind of putting up the, the right. signs every time there was a new run and they themselves were dressed in kind of this periodic 1920s look. That's great. In addition to the uniforms of the players mm. being periodic and historical, so I think they I think they did a nice job of just kind of capturing the whole um, essence of the history of baseball as an American pastime, which out in a cornfield you could just enjoy very peacefully on a on a gorgeous night. Oh, that's wonderful! So it was it was a fun night to be an Iowan uh, here in the Midwest. Um, switching gears, what was after that? Where was I after that? Quavadis. No, I think Quavadis was right before that. So we were up with the seminarians in Lake Okaboji. A famous, you know, the Iowa Great Lakes here. <laughs> really wonderful place. Yeah. Um, natural spring-fed lakes. Uh, vocations th- discernment retreat. Yes, yeah, so we had the Covadis discernment retreat. Um, this is our fifth annual Covadis, actually. Uh, it's been going that long now, which has been great. Um, Covadis coming from the, the ancient experience where 
you know, Peter during the persecution in Rome, mm-hmm. St. Peter was fleeing Rome and he meets our Lord carrying a cross back towards the city. You know, I'm sure many of our, our listeners already know this story, but, uh, you know, he asks our Lord, where are you going? Quo vadis in Latin. And he says, well, I'm going back to be crucified. And, and Peter knows, well, I have to stay with the flock and I need to go back in, and, which leads to his martyrdom. And that, that title of Covadis is a, is a you know, regularly used title among discernment retreats mm-hmm. you know, worldwide. So we had our... Also, had and then at Steubenville Conference, Sarah Swafford has like used that as her branded thing from her talks. Oh, sure. So there's all, all her merch. Yeah. So it felt a little like she was ripping us off, even though like every diocese probably has a retreat they, they call Covadis. But it's like, oh, they do. Nice lots of, lots of dioceses use it. Right. Um, but yeah, she has all the merchandise that says, that says Covadis on it. Um, but it was great. We had 18 men show up at this discernment retreat. Uh, it was an older group, uh, a lot more college students this year, much more mature uh, guys that had you know really been discipling or had been discipled themselves in prayer right. and wanted to go deeper in their discernment. That the seminarians did a great job with it. Then we went on to the um, Convocation Classic. <laughs> Convocation Classic, like the 50th annual State of Iowa Convocation with the four dioceses of Iowa, sponsored uh-huh. by the Knights of Columbus, getting their men together for kind of a fraternity event to build fraternity across diocesan boundaries, mm-hmm. but also to focus on a topic that one normally doesn't get in seminary. And Father Sean Kilcalli of the Diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska, was there doing a great job yeah. with his presentations on theology of the body, pastoral ministry to sexual addictions. I thought he did a great job, and I think the men really responded well. That's wonderful. Um, I said Convocation Classic because uh, the newly ordained Father Max Carson from the Diocese of Des Moines and I had this wonderful plan that maybe someday we've talked about we'll it continue. again. We we'll, talked about it again this year. Was it brought up? Good. Well, we, I brought it up, and that was about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps cooler dioceses and states that have um, larger presbyterates to work with. They have these like cross diocesan boundary. Um, I think your phone's going off. Ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by Verizon. I never have, I never have the uh, the ringer on. That was interesting. Okay. Anyways, uh, convocation yeah, class. Yeah, so like Father Kansas Max. City. Yeah, Kansas City, St. Joseph, and KCK have a. Uh, I think it's called the Collar Classic, and then Lincoln and Omaha do the same thing where they have sure. a baseball game. So we said we need to call it the Convocation Classic, and then sure. Max has a silly like jingle that he sings with it. Uh, oh, I don't remember the jingle. Oh, yeah, I won't was, make you do it. It was like an ESPN like giggoogie giggoogie. Okay. Thing for it, so. All right. Um, well, we, we've talked about two dioceses of seminarians in Iowa playing the other two that's dioceses. The, that's the idea. And you guys want Sioux City and Des Moines to Absolutely, link up yeah, and West play. Side, West Side, Best Side. And play um, Davenport Dubuque. Absolutely. Okay. That's the goal. Well, I did bring it up among the seminarians. We didn't get very <laughs> far this cared, year. Yeah. Well, I think with COVID, you know, you, the idea, we didn't, we didn't have the convocation last year. We right. kind of lost some of right. our momentum. Plus, the guys that are coming off of Covadis, they were really exhausted. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> they worked really hard for the week that we were together. So, anywho, we're 11 minutes in. We better get to the topic. Um, kind of a big topic today. One of the topics that you know has been resting on my heart, because it comes up all the time, especially with uh, teenage and young adult ministry, is the problem of evil. Sure. Right? And that sounds kind of vague and kind of heavy, but uh, it really meets people quite practically. Mm-hmm. When I meet so many people who say to me, well, Father Shane, why do all these bad things happen in the world? Yep. You know, if God is so good in his goodness, why doesn't he step in and prevent it? Or if he's so loving, why doesn't he love us more and prevent these good things? Uh, but he must not be very, very powerful or very good or very interested in us because all these bad things happen. Right. Comes up all the time. And, you know, this is very timely because we just celebrated the one-year anniversary of the derecho storm in eastern Iowa 
which you know from Marshalltown to like Cedar sure Rapids celebrating it, but well, it's yeah. we there was a lot of um, there was lots of news coverage actually right. marking the anniversary, yeah, uh, for lives lost, damaged, you know, just even gives an opportunity for quick, people to uh, be, quick correct Spanish uh, trivia here for you. So everybody was around Northwest Iowa, Midwest, Midwest. They couldn't pronounce derechos. Some people just said it derecho. Sure. They thought it just wrecked everything. Sure. Um, do you know what derecho yeah. means? In the original Spanish? Yeah. No. It means straight. Oh. So it's straight line winds. That's oh, why sure. the storm is called derecho. Yeah. And a, der- and a derecho is like a hurricane force yeah, storm. Straight line winds. Yeah. They but not on the ocean, not exactly. coming in right. off the sea. It, it's right on land. Right. Um, and just kind of built uh, steam. I, I remember the storm hitting Sioux City, and then it just continued to build steam across. Right. So by the time I got to Cedar Rapids, you know, the wind gusts were up to 100 miles an hour. Right. Maybe 106 was its peak and caused widespread damage. Um, so people can look at an event like that and just wonder, well, what is the big deal, God? Where is your power? Where is your love? Yeah. Where what is you your doing? mercy? Aren't you supposed to be this loving father who just loves his children? Aren't you supposed to be like all-powerful, hallowed father in heaven? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you do with that? One of the things that I have to consistently remind students when I speak to them about this, this problem of evil is I tell them God's a gambler. Hmm. God's a gambler. He took a big risk. He took an enormous risk. And when he created the world, um, he allowed people to have free will Mm -hmm. because he doesn't like robots, Right. Exactly. He doesn't like robots, and he, he doesn't create human beings to just be automatically wired, automatically programmed to love him in response. I love right. you. I love you too. You know, right. there's no relationship there, right? Yeah. He took a risk. He was a gambler, and he said, I'm going to create human beings with free will, and they're going to love me of their own accord, or they will reject me of their own accord, and that is the risk I'm willing to take for the sake of authentic love and authentic relationship to invite those into my Trinitarian love who actually want to dwell with me. And for those who don't, well, in his goodness, of course, he gives them what they want and they go mm-hmm. bye-bye. Um, so he took a risk. He was a gambler by creating free will. And from there, you know, sin enters the world um, by which human beings of their own decisions bring a lot of wickedness and evil upon other people. Right. So when people get caught up in the problem of evil, you have to just you have to first of all discern, well, is this just the crappy decision of someone else? Right. Whether it's a robbery, a mugging, a murder, something like that, genocide, war. Or the rippled ramifications of that. Exactly. The world. The ripple effect of sin. Exactly. But then we also can recognize that with sin entering the world, the whole world is fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's there's literally cosmic elements to how our fallen nature kind of creates havoc and wreaks havoc upon upon nature itself. Mm-hmm. You know, nature as as a creature is itself bruised because the world is fallen. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus came to redeem all of that, right? Um, so, I mean, we don't have to sit here and debate about would there have been thunderstorms had there never been sin right. in the world, right? But the point is, is that, you know, uh, Evil exists in the world to a large extent because of humanity. Um, I mean, we by by the, the sins of Adam and Eve, we brought evil into this world, right? right? And its ripple effect through original sin and personal sin just continues to this day. And that's what Jesus came to redeem us of. And you know, it, it's a huge risk on God's part to say, "I'm going to create a world that could possibly fall away from me." 
I'm going to create a world that could possibly be bruised or damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to create a world in which these creatures and the, and the whole cosmos of, of creation itself might not beat completely in unison with my divine heart as I would like it to do so. And then, of course, you get the effects of evil, mm-hmm. something that's less than good or a privation of good, right? Um, and so I think when we, when we tackle this problem of evil, we have to go back to, well, what is it that was God's design? What did he intend from the beginning? And let's not stick the blame <laughs> on somebody who never wished this upon us in the first place. Right. You know, does this make any sense? It does, it does. I'm glad you just mentioned privation of the good because it's important to realize what is evil, I think so. And you kind of mentioned that, a lack of the good or privation of the good. Because people often think that God is making evil happen and that theological distinction, like so many, is really important that God never wills or intends evil, um, sometimes allows things to happen for a greater good. Um, But I think that's all bound up in his providence we use that word sometimes but it just means god's providential goodness that he's always desiring to give us his children that which is good evil is a lack of the good or a privation of the good it's not a thing in itself that's what saint augustine taught so that when we experience evil we're just experiencing a lack of goodness Mm -hmm. a a lack of god's presence which can either is is either happening because we've turned away from god's goodness or and oftentimes can actually lead us back toward the goodness of God. Um, I think particularly of Father Walter Chiswick. Um, if, if our listeners haven't heard about him, he was, a, he was a Jesuit priest who was arrested in Poland by the Soviets after World War II within, I guess, the Cold War, some, somewhere mm-hmm. around there, um, and was imprisoned for like something like 30 years, like 25, 30 years, yeah, something like that. Probably. Um, five of those being in a solitary confinement and then the rest being in a, a Siberian work camp. He wrote two books after he got out, one called With God in Russia and the other called uh, He Leadeth Me. But within those books, he describes this spirituality of God's divine providence and how he could even find in the most evil situation of imprisonment for no reason. They thought he was a Vatican spy, which he wasn't. He was just a priest. Um, He even found in that God's good will for him, Mm -hmm. that there was God's providence still available and that God was still loving him into existence, and that that actually created a space for him to trust God even more, overcome his own sinfulness even more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he just comes up as kind of a patron of this problem of evil, mm-hmm. of even in the most difficult situations, seeing that God's goodness is what prevails. Well, and Father uh, Chizik is a great example of not only one who didn't give up hope and faith in the midst of that, that great evil that was in front of him, but he was also somebody who could see I'm not going to blame God for this. You know, I'm not going to throw a tizzy fit in a tantrum as if I'm a five-year-old right. and throw all this blame on God and burden myself with the ideal expectations of what my life should really be right now. And if God doesn't pull through and meet my expectations, well, then he's not a good God. He's not a powerful God. Father Walter you know, could see right into that and say, no, <laughs> I don't want to be in a Siberian labor camp right now. Right. But I'm not going to sit here and just let bitterness towards God invade my heart, ruin my relationship and my, my standing and grace with God, because you know God, God wouldn't have willed this. But given the circumstances with free will agents running all over the world, right. God can speak into this, mm-hmm. and he can meet me here, and he can find me and do you know, what is really you know, right. calling in a deeper relationship. Yeah. 
Well, <clears throat> excuse me. What that that was really making me think about um, something that was in my mind previously that I'm just losing now as I'm trying to talk about it. What was it? There was a great idea. Here, it was real good. Romans eight. This is what I'm. Romans thinking. eight. What do you got? Yeah. Well, this is that. There's this beautiful line. I love it. It's that all creation is is longing, is yearning for the glo- the revelation of the glorious freedom of the children of God. So there's this mm-hmm. expectation that Jesus will bring about a new heavens and a new earth. That restoration is coming. And that through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and through his ascension into heaven and through his promise of the second coming, there is a promise of restoration of this created world that will create a new heavens and a new earth. So when we see the things of this world that just don't make sense, like children with cancer mm-hmm. um, or untimely tragic deaths or different things that happen, some of them, especially the ones that are like natural disasters, like mm-hmm. cancer, things like that, not caused necessarily by uh, some free will agent. Human like agent. Saying, yeah, human yeah. agent. Um, while we might not be able to understand that in the moment, while we ought to be able to trust that God is bringing out a greater good from some of that, that there is this restoration that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of thoughts that have just come up. The other thing too is we forget so often that <clears throat> this world is not the end. Right. As, as Christians, we look forward to a new heavens and a new earth, but we look forward to heaven, perfect communion with God forever. That's what we look forward to. If we think that this world is it, kind of have a materialistic view of this earth, yeah, then it would make more sense that the God of kind of this world would create everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's heaven. Um, we're, we're not yet fulfilled in our promise that God has made us through Christ. Um, the other thing, too, is that we forget sometimes that we're all going to die. Like, mm-hmm. that might sound really heavy and deep as well, but... When we experience evil, we experience it as if that's never coming for us. Not evil, but when we experience death, pain, suffering, right. privation of the good. Not me, Lord. No, that's not going to happen to me, right? right. Um, and while the question might come up of, well, why did this happen in an untimely way, in a tragic way, in an unexpected, unplanned way? It's a reminder for all of us that this world is not enough. This world is not the end, as Sister Carolyn said mm-hmm. so many episodes ago. No, well said. This world isn't enough for us. There is going to be a, an eventual right balancing of the whole, the whole bulk of injustices that have ever been, you know, imposed upon the world and imposed upon God's creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but this world isn't the end. And when we lock ourselves into thinking that this world is the end and that my expectations have to be met, well, all of a sudden we put ourselves in opposition to the good heavenly Father, mm. because you know this world is supposed to function according to my parameters. And we miss the opportunity to sit there in the midst of the pain and the suffering of the perceived evil right. and say, where is God right now? Right. As I'm yeah. walking in this valley, as I'm sitting in this darkness, mm-hmm. as the pain and the trauma close in upon me, where is he right now? And that's exactly where he wants us, you know, really reaching out for him Mm-hmm. because as a good father, he's there to embrace us and sweep right. us into his divine arms. And through that experience of really turning to God, even in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of moments of evil, of experiencing the privation of the good <clears throat> in our lives, those moments help us develop this relationship with God and help us have a, a deeper awareness of his presence and trust um, yeah, and his goodness in our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. This is a pretty heavy topic to kind of breeze through in about, you know, 15 minutes. Sure. Uh, we might have to come back to it and unpack elements of it in future episodes. Uh, but Father Travis, 
Fellow Iowan, it's great to be with you here. We're not we're Likewise. not broadcasting from Dyersville at the location of the Field of not Dreams. Yet. But we are in Lamar's, which has its own kind of dreamlike quality, wow. doesn't it? Amen. That couldn't have been said any better. <laughs> Good to be with you, Father. Go Likewise. Get some ice Everybody, cream. thanks for tuning in. And to all those new listeners, too, thanks for tuning in. Keep sharing the podcast. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.